What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Titletown, South Florida, the Miami Herald's high school sports show. I'm Andre Fernandez, deputy sports editor, back for the to recap the second week of the high school football season and look ahead to the third with my co-host, David Wilson. Uh, backed into the action, David, a little bit of uh, another big game, another big week. But this time, unfortunately, our South Florida powerhouse just came up a little bit short, and that was the... Uh, Central Rockets, you know, we're going to cover a little bit about that. A classic, though, in Las Vegas, unfortunately. Not a lot of people got to see it because, first off, I'm shocked that game wasn't on ESPN or ESPNU or anything like that. And then with the weather out there looking the same as Miami most of the time uh, early on this season, I don't think the game got started till almost midnight Eastern time. So I I hope whoever stayed up at least got to enjoy a great one. Yeah, I was at the Miami game uh, for the Herald on Friday night, and as I was like kind of leaving there, I was like, oh, this game's like just starting. I was kind of planning to come home and put it on while I went to bed, but uh, unfortunately <laughs> not on TV anywhere. Um, and as you said, we we all kind of missed out on a classic because of it. Uh, Central comes up short, but, um, you know, I think uh, hard to say a statement when you lose, but we, we talked a lot about how much turnover the central team had from last season and, and the fact they went out to Gorman, had that really long delay, um, a team that destroyed Chaminade last year, obviously a different team for them, um, Gorman this year than they were last year. Um, but to hang with them on the road that, I mean, central, not, they haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of why I think I still had a little bit of faith that if they could maybe pull it off. We don't, we know they have some questions to answer this year, but it's still central. They've got the experience yeah. of doing this before. That staff has been through, at this point, pretty much anything you can think of as far as a coaching staff is concerned. But uh, we'll get into that. We'll get a little more into the Rockets mm-hmm. and some of the other big games this week uh, as we go forward into this show. Uh, remember, if you're watching this, you can watch it not only at MiamiHerald.com, but on YouTube. And if you can only listen to it, it's available on Spotify, iTunes, about you know every podcatcher you can think of at this point, pretty much. But let's go right in and talk a little bit about a, uh, about another game that happened this week. Well, unfortunately, some bad weather wreaked havoc with a lot of the better games that we were hoping to cover. So we don't have a lot of highlights like we normally do, but we do have a few good ones. And one of them happened at uh, Cardinal Gibbons High School. That's where Shamanon had you know the second of all of these many tests that they're going to face early in the season. A rare meeting between Chaminade and Gibbons in the regular season. Last year it was in the preseason, um, but let's start with them. The game started a little weird. I don't think in my all my years of covering high school football, I ever saw a 4 nothing score at the end of the first quarter. It was like that's exactly game. what happened after two safeties. Right? <laughs> kind of looked like exactly. Uh, but the Chiefs, it was the Chiefs defense and, and special teams. I mean, one was a mistake. Uh, ball went over the punter's head, went out of the end zone. But another time they stuffed them in the end zone, got the 4 nothing lead. Let's take a look at one of those plays. Christopher Williams, uh, a talented defensive end for Gibbons, had the sack here of Cedric Bailey. But pretty much after that, after that second quarter started, Bailey and the boys got got, the, got everything rolling. And uh, here's the first one, his first connection to Kyle Washington. Throws a dime right here. Now, that play got retweeted by a lot of NC State fans who are excited about Cedric Bailey, you know, commit to the Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. But nothing got as, not quite as retweeted as this play that we're about to show you. 
the play of the game, heck, maybe even the play of the year done by recent UM commit Zaquan Patterson. I don't really know what the ruling was. Was it an interception, <laughs> a fumble? I'm just going to call it a rip away. I mean, look at look at this play. I mean, I almost felt bad for that Gibbons receiver. It's also got, just got basically abused on that play. And then after that, Chaminade was definitely at that point off to the races. And then Bailey hits another one, another great pass here to Ja'Cory Lewis, who shows you his speed right before halftime. Really, David, though, the team, the unit that has been pressed a lot, as we talked about before, is their defense. And here's yeah. a sack late in the game by Chaminade to kind of, you know, they had already pretty much put the game away, but they got, you know, how it is sometimes you get up big and the defense just swarms. Here's an example. That was Kendarius Frazier on the sack on that play, but plenty to go around on, the, on that defense. But Patterson, you know, three one of three pick sixes this team has had in, in just two games. So here's what Zaquan Patterson had to say after the game. Zaquan, you like wrestled that ball away and, and then took it to the house. Just uh, tell me about the play. What did you see on that play when you took I mean, it away? I, I mean, the ref just told me that uh, what they coach said on the sideline, oh, he can't guard you. So I knew they were going to try to come at me eventually. I told him to throw it. If you look back at the field, you're going to see me say throw it. I was pointing at the sideline, throw the ball. And as soon as I seen the ball go up, he ain't want it for real. So I just took it. Um, and after that, it was just touchdown. You know, after that, I ain't trying to do it. I'm trying to score. Just the, the play of the defense the first two weeks, it was really, really good. I mean, what's been the key to that? Just the success? Um, you know, trying to prove the point that we, we, ain't, we ain't relying on our offense this year. We want to make that statement that uh, we're going to come out and play. We don't have to win our offense to score all these points to us and uh, come out and play, you know. Um, last year, we relied on our offense a lot as a defense. And, and this year, we want to make a point, especially with as much teams as we got. We got 25 shooters on this team. We want to make a point that we ain't going to wait for nobody. We all going to come out and play once the whistle blows. I feel like sometimes the defense maybe gets a little overlooked because they have so many weapons on offense. That's I mean, absolutely. That. You know, when you got so many guys on offense, so many five stars, you know, great players, not not even stars. We just got so many athletes on our, our, our offense that defense is going to get overlooked for sure. But um, nonetheless, these guys still go against each other in practice every day, so iron shop is iron. Um, I feel like these kids, is, is, a lot of these kids is being overlooked um, for what they're doing with us right now. Um, but I feel like they're going to get they, they their look eventually, especially playing on the schedule we're playing this year, or the national games like this year, they definitely going to get their look. After the UM commitment last week, how was this week like for you? <laughs> yeah, sure. How was the week? I mean, yeah, it was, a, it was a great week, you know. Um, love talking to Coach Adai, love talking to Crystal Ball. They're great coaches. Uh, part of the reason why I chose to stay home um, and, you know, just just building with my team, you know, enjoying what we have. This is my senior year, so I got to enjoy uh, this as much as I can. Uh, but no, nah, definitely was a great week uh, from the defense and practice um, and we bringing it to the field. Yeah, so Zaquan, you know, talked a little bit about that and this past week, an exciting week for him after committing to Miami. But, uh, David, um, this unit showed its depth. JoJo Trader, by the way, got an update on him. They think he's going to be able to come back by the Central game. I mean, that, that's his game, you know, with his former yeah. team and his current team. So he's really trying hard. It sounds like it's just a sprain. He'll be okay as a precaution. They're keeping him out. And maybe he'll play against Heritage 
Um, not this week against Bergen Catholic, but maybe against Heritage. But for sure, they're thinking by the Central game, it should be all right. But, you know, Shamanad, very impressive as usual. Yeah, I don't worry about their offense at all, right? Um, when you got, obviously, Jeremiah Smith and, and a, a quarterback <laughs> like Cedric Bailey and then like a guy like Kyle Washington who is like, you know, potent you know, on how many teams would be the number one wide receiver in the uh, – in on the roster like they've got young guys more, more than are, half the county yeah they're they're young guys who would you know who are will one day be in the trader uh smith spot uh, you mentioned though the defense um that was the question mark right because there's no kenyatta jackson on that team right there's not a five-star defensive end and, and i think kind of across south florida there's there's not that elite elite level recruit um at least up front but chaminade Every year has a couple of defensive linemen or division one prospects. They've always got good linebackers, maybe under, you know, sometimes undersized guys who don't even go D one that um, end up being, you know, they're just really productive players or end up walking on maybe somewhere. Um, and then Zaquan Patterson is, is kind of the ultimate Swiss army knife, right? A guy who can play corner plays a lot of corner for them. That play looked like it was it's that corner that pick six or whatever we're going to call that um, can come in the box and, and thump. Obviously we know about his special teams prowess, mm-hmm. Um, he gives them a lot of flexibility to, um, you know, in the same way that a guy like I, th- I think of what like James Williams did for American Heritage. They're, they're obviously very different, but the way that if it was a pass heavy team, you played him deep and he could wreak havoc as a, as a ball hawk or a team that's going to run it a lot, stick him right in the box. And he's basically a linebacker for you, too. Yeah. And, um, it's it just to me it makes this game even more interesting because like I feel like we kind of had central on this like slightly bigger pedestal than everybody else but now I'm not we'll see I mean this this team going back to that Rockets game we saw how it happened they were back and forth they fall behind early a mm-hmm. couple scores and to their credit I think one one kid that really impressed me with the Rockets was Jaden Ford and he we knew he was good yeah but you know that that kickoff return that put them back in the game and then the quarterback play it's interesting how. Almost by design, they're rotating these guys. We didn't see much of Beckham Kritzleff at all, but J.C. Evans played a little bit. Smith played a little bit. Both guys made some plays, a few mistakes here and there, and really at the end had them in the fight toward the end. The one the one that was a little bit unfortunate was them going for that long field goal, which could have put them ahead by five. I almost wonder if maybe does Jube look at that now and, and think, should we have done that with the bad weather, with the slippery field? Mm-hmm. You know, or do you trust your kicker no matter what? Or would they have maybe rolled the dice, try to put them away, get the first down, and maybe they would have been able to run the clock? I mean, always easy to second guess after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, yeah, they always I mean, trust their special teams, right? They had a great, you know, it's a new kicker this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, those are the margins you play with. And like I said, they're, they're so much turnover. They're, they're learning about themselves. I'm sure, I'm still, I'm sure still too. So, um, they'll get better as the year goes on because of that. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. I mean, that it, like I said, I, I the matchup now that Shamanad's defense is looking so well mm-hmm. against them and that offense. That's going to be a really, t- a really telling one because it's going to test these quarterbacks, and it's really going to, especially Shamanad's secondary is loaded. They could, they could pass rush this year, which maybe you know they could last year, but they yeah. have guys that can do it too. You know that have stepped up. So. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've done your rankings yet this week, but like Shamanad has done everything in their power to like earn kind of number one right now. Obviously, it's like oh, a toss up. Them. Yeah, it's a it's a toss up. Obviously, yeah. that game is going to be like a pick them basically. But you know, when they beat St. Francis and then blow out a Cardinal Gibbons team, that I think both of us are, are really high on. Um, you know, 
per, like a, a flawless start to their season, obviously. Yeah, no, no, I, I did flip them, and uh, Shamanad's number one now, but you can't penalize Central too much after right. they lost yeah, yeah. that. So they kept them one and two. I kind of on purpose because I want them right, to Right, and they'll play each other. They'll be one and two when they play, barring something surprising, and whoever wins that will be in pole position for the rest of the year. Right, and both teams have tough tests, which, which, which we will get to later yeah. on when we talk about our week three picks. But let's switch gears now to the Soul Bowl, which was rained out on Thursday night, but they were able to play it on Saturday, and Jackson kind of regrets that because uh, – 63 to nothing Northwestern put it on them and my I mean <laughs> this was ugly from the get-go and and a game that Northwestern we know is a little younger this year and still mm-hmm. comes up with the biggest route in terms of margin of victory in Soul Bowl history and that's saying something because this goes back this rivalry goes back a long ways to you know the 60s I believe you know but hey good for the Bulls I mean they, they fought Vero, Vero Beach pretty tough now they get this team. Now this weekend they get a good Venice team at home. Let's hear from Michael Lee Harris about what he had to say about the Bulls and how they're doing so far. Here with Coach Michael Lee Harris after Northwestern's 63-0 victory over Jackson. Coach, what were some of the keys to victory tonight? Just making sure that we stay locked in and build on the mistakes that we made the previous week. That was more of the emphasis is to get better week to week. Mm-hmm. You know, what we made mistakes on last week. The goal was to come out here and not make the same mistakes. So that was more so the, the emphasis on tonight's game. You guys certainly improved from last week. You got your first win, uh, your first win as a head coach. How special is that, you know, uh, formerly playing here at Northwestern way back when? It means a lot. This is a traditional game, the Soul Bowl. So to get my first win as a head coach and it being the Soul Bowl victory, you know, it, it means a lot. And this is the part of the game that sometimes we can forget about. You know, always trying to worry about wins and losses. We forget about the cherish and have count our blessings on things like this, making sure that we soak up this kind of atmosphere. So, you know, it's special being able to play in this type of game and come back as the head coach and win this type of game. How have you seen this rivalry kind of uh, evolve, I guess, in your years? Because uh, Northwestern's kind of dominated this the past 19 or, or 20 meetings. Yeah, so it, uh, fortunately for Miami Northwestern, we have dominated it dominated this this rivalry you know as an alumnus myself it's something that you you happy to see you know is it's still a soul bowl so even though we've dominated the the, the win column in it it's still something that you get up for something that you look up look forward to and it means more than just us dominating it like it goes back to the tradition of miami northwestern and miami jackson you know back when you know people of color was only allowed to go to certain schools and that's where it began, like having soul and those schools having really good talent, really good players, and being able to match up against one another. So it, even though people may say it's, it has swayed to, towards Miami Northwestern, it's the tradition and it's the principality of where it comes from. And that's something that we don't want to forget. Like As we get further and further away from our history and from our roots, we want to make sure we keep things alive for the next generations and they understand where it came from. Perfect. Awesome. Appreciate it, Coach. Congrats. No yeah, I mean, it's a shame that it's really declined the way it has in terms of competition. Yeah. And and really, I it, I don't know if this started. I was I know I was gone for a little bit. But I think this started either last year or the year before, them doing it in week two. Like, yeah, they, like they moved this... it earlier. I, th- I think it used to maybe be in that slot that now is the um, uh, GMAC championship. I, I wonder if that has something to do with it. But, yeah, it moved it up in the, in the calendar um, a few years it, ago. It used yeah. to be – yeah, it used to be on the final week when – yeah, it used to be on the final week, like the you know the non-district week when everything's right. wrapped yeah. up already, which now 
kind of has a little more of a bearing on the right. playoffs. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It always felt like the, the great end of the regular season game, and obviously when Jackson was more competitive. I mean, that that really – if Jackson could somehow get back to even a semblance of, of being the way they used to be, maybe it'll help the rivalry, I guess. But it's a shame because there were some classic games. I remember it's obviously never going to be 50,000 in the Orange Bowl, but you did still have – even when it was at Traz, you had some – you know, some fervor for it. Eight thousand mm. people would show up. Now it's just you know two thousand on a Saturday night. It's yeah, it's just lost its luster. It's a shame. Yeah, I mean the central mm. rivalry has obviously like replaced it. I think for a like, like a younger generation, probably. I mean, I, I mean, I you, you grew up in Miami and all that kind of stuff. You probably remember a little bit more when or have seen the way that those rivalries have shifted. As long as I've been here, it's been all all Northwestern. Um, and but you know. A, Johnny Lee Harris, do like I thought, very like poignant about what that you know he's an alumnus as as he said there, um, what that rivalry means, the history of it, and for him to get his first win there, like it's meaningful still to to the guys who have kind of been part of that and grown up um, in the football community down here, especially the ones who like really are right you know, and know, history and all that stuff too. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why it's important to highlight the game still, and that's why mm-hmm. I still wanted to do that, you know, from the Herald standpoint, still want to actually cover this game year in and year out. Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, another uh, – we're going to introduce our guest for the week this week, um, a big game this coming week between Goldman and American. And if you haven't been paying attention these last few weeks out there, yes, I said Goldman and American. <laughs> it's been a long time – since we've had these two teams in a quote-unquote big game setting. So we decided to invite Goldman coach Ariel Cabrero to the, to the show this week. Hey, how are you doing, guys? For, how are you doing, coach? We wanted to bring you on because I don't, know if, I don't know if you heard that part just now. We were saying Goldman and American in a sure. big game. And that, and it's been a while. It's been a while since those two schools have really played a, a game with of this, you know, this magnitude and, you know, with a little bit on the line early in the season. But, Coach, we talked to you in media day. We wanted to first off just, you know, thanks for being on the show, of course. And Happy to be here. Just, just tell us a little bit about, you know, just how, you know, I guess the, the the feeling of, I guess you could say, validation of seeing the process, seeing the buildup to get your team to the point where it is right now. How good has that made you feel to see that, see the kids buy in and everything to get to this? Sure. I mean, listen, it's been like many years, you know, of, of buildup and, and we had a lot of good years in the independent league. We, we were in that league for three years and, and we made it to the championship game three times. Um, and we won two of those titles. Um, and we, we faced American in the independent league and, and we actually beat them two years ago by 40. Um, last year we lost by a point, you know, so uh, this game, this is kind of the tiebreaker game, you know, so our kids are pumped up. I know their kids are pumped up. It's, it's a good rivalry that's come back that I think is going to definitely be a lot more even than it's been in the past. So, I mean, just the satisfaction of, of seeing the program grow, seeing all the, all these things come to fruition, right? Doing it the right way, um, you know, building it through our weight room, building it through our, our own kids, right? Every, every kid that, that's going to play for us actually attends Goldman. Um, so that that's the most satisfying of it all. You, uh, you mentioned building it up, starting in the independent league. I wanted to ask you about that because obviously – um, you know, that league flies under the radar a little bit, but I, I think we've seen it with a couple of teams where, um, you know, you can kind of have success there, I guess, maybe build confidence in the program, build excitement around the program and, and use that as a springboard um, yeah. to come back into a district. Can, can you just tell us about what that process was like winning in that league, building things up kind of there to, to get back to the point where you guys are now? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, to me, there was no shame in it. At, at the time we went in, we played all, all the teams that were our contemporaries, you know, the Hylia Gardens of the world, Reagan, Coral Park, Varela. You know, Goldman was in the same category of all those schools. Um, and they got some really good programs, um, you know, that maybe don't have the talent. So for us going in there, it was kind of just a way to prove to, to the community, to, to, to kids, to parents, hey, look, this staff at Goldman, can coach the program can 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 succeed we can put kids in college right we we were able to put our first division one kid um in school two years ago Vari marshall first division one player from goldman in like 20 years right so and he, he he came out of the independent league so for us it was just a way to prove hey look our our scheme our way our process is successful and we were successful against our our peers right um even teams look dr crop was in that league they, they came out, they won two district championships. They were, they've, they've been in the playoffs, right? We, we beat them in 2020 in the championship game of the, of, of the Independent League. So, you know, it's a proven thing. You know, I, I wish more teams would actually be open to it to understand, hey, sometimes it, it takes you a couple of years to just build that confidence, build that, that kind of reputation, you know, instead of going out there and being overmatched week after week after week. Yeah, I think one other team we saw a little bit of that. They didn't end up making the jump yet. Maybe they will eventually. But I, I saw we saw that success. Coral Reef won the league, I think, or one of them last year. Last year, they've yeah. been building up. I know they got hit a little hard by graduation too. But it's another example of you can have success there and build it. Um, tell us about some of those guys on the roster. I know Daryl Bell is a, one of the headliners for sure. Kid yeah. with a lot of D one offers. I think FSU won't being one of them. Um, now we in, now media day. We hadn't seen them play yet how those guys looked so far. I mean, you've had some pretty convincing victories so far in the early going, just how those guys clicked and how are you seeing them on the field? I mean, the, the guys we took to media day, I mean, those, those are just captains of the team, man. I mean, the, those are, those are the rock of, of what we do. Um, you know, RJ Alphonse has been doing great as a defensive end and as a tight end. Uh, Anthony Rodriguez and Dylan Salid, both of those guys are inside backers. Those are the heart of the defense, you know, in, in the run game and in the pass game, you know, they, they've been doing a phenomenal job. Um, we have on the roster as well two senior quarterbacks, one being Daniel Riveron and the other one is Eric Mejia. Both of those kids are playing for us, and both of them are playing lights-out football. Um, the offensive line has been doing a phenomenal job. We have a senior uh, offensive lineman, Hansel DeBeche, who actually missed all of last season due to injury, and he's, he's off the charts, because, you know, had a phenomenal first couple of games. He's, he's the undisputed leader of that offensive line. Um, I mean, listen, I, I could keep rolling off some of these names. We have a, a senior, Robbie Henry. He's a DB and a, and a, and a wide receiver, and he's, he's been playing lights out too. Um, you know, I can keep going down the line with these guys, but it's just these first few weeks we've really come out there and, and, and really done our jobs. This Friday will be a big test, right? So this Friday we're going to find out, you know, who, who's really going to show up to play, who, who's really going to stand out of the pack. Having a D1 kid like that, there's a lot of ways you can prove yourself as a coaching staff, right? You can win games. You can, you know, be a, like a good mentor and all that kind of stuff. What, what is a, having a, a player like that um, both to show where guys can get to? And, and I'm sure also a guy like that just naturally becomes an important leader for you guys. What, what does having a guy like that uh, come through your program do for you guys? Well, I think, listen, I think it legitimizes you in, in, in certain ways. I mean, and it's not just football. You know, our, our school has a very good reputation for being an academic school. Um, we're a magnet program. We attract really good academic kids to our school, Avari being one of them. You know, he, he almost signed to an Ivy League school, you know, so he's he's a part of that. But just coming in and just 
transforming the programs, having other kids, other kids that maybe haven't been playing football their lives or or not going to be major prospects, just to see how these guys work, how they operate, right, changes their mindset. Because we see that. We see that with Marshall. Uh, We had another running back uh, by the name of Jamal Joseph. He's playing Division II ball. Uh, He had the same mindset. We see it with Bell. We see it with Alphonse now. I mean, these guys become natural leaders just because of their approach to the game, an approach that necessarily wasn't there before, you know, with kids that honestly most of them had started playing football ninth grade year. Um, So, you know, we're getting kids now that this is what they do. They're football players. You know, they're 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 academic kids. You know, (laughs) you know, Alphonse is a four point oh kid. Daryl Bell's a four point oh kid. You know, they're academic kids, but they are football players at heart. That's what they do. Um, So, yeah, it it just changes the the dynamic entirely. Coach, we thank you for being on. We're happy to see that the, the, the plan is progressing and succeeding so far. Hope you all continued success. I mean, I, I, I remember Goldman when you guys were running the single wing and it sure. was just a you know, cloud of dust, everybody just gaining a few yards here and there, but you've evolved into the team that you are now. And a uh, little trivia, this is going to date me, but the very <laughs> first game I ever covered for the Herald back in 99 was Goldman against Crop. Wow. It was Crop's first ever game as a varsity team. And I remember Goldman won. There was a quarterback name. I think it was Robert Leva was the Robert quarterback. Yeah. 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 So it, cool, it's good to, good, to see, good to see Goldman getting back in it. And, and we wish you guys the best. But more than anything, thank you, Coach, for being on the show and being our guest. So hopefully it won't be the last time we can get you on at some point hopefully, later in hopefully. the season. Hey, thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. All right. Take care. Awesome. Bye. Thanks, Coach. Coach Ariel Cribero and Goldman, uh, let's see what happens. I mean, that's going to be I, – I have it being a really close game this week with American, but before we get to our picks, let's uh, – we're back doing polls again, everybody. We're doing the uh, Player of the Week polls. So they're up at MiamiHerald.com if you want to vote for your favorite players in football, volleyball, you know, you name it, all the fall sports. This week we've got a few good candidates. Neiman Lawrence from Ransom Everglades football, 17 of 19, 315 yards through six touchdown passes in a win over Somerset Academy. And uh, Jarvis Johnson, another uh, player for Westminster Christian, had 123 yards and four TDs as the Warriors uh, eked out a 32-26 win over Avant Garde Academy. And then in other sports, uh, Samira Persad at Reagan had a good start, led them to a four-set win over Miami Beach. Uh, Cross-country season has begun. Henry Stark, an all-day kid last year, uh, ran a pretty good time, 16:49 to win the Bobcat Invitational at St. Thomas University. And in swimming, Nicole Macedo at Mast wins the 100 butterfly and the backstroke to lead them over a win over to a win over Matter Lakes. And then in Broward, Jet Urgalitis, the uh, quarterback for University School. University School has been pummeling people so far this season. 58-14 victory over Pinecrest. He threw five touchdowns and ran for another. We also have Ashley Fitzgerald, cross-country runner for American Heritage, has been dominant for over three years now on on that in that sport. 1854 ran a winning time at the Bobcat Invitational. In girls volleyball, Sarah Schnell led Pines Charter to a win, to a couple wins over Coral Springs and Spanish River. And on the golf scene, Audrey Audrey Basage uh, for Archbishop McCarthy shot a 34, won medalist honors to beat Cardinal Gibbons. So if you uh, would like to, the polls are open at MiamiHerald.com. Vote for your favorite players in Dade and Broward. And that brings us to week three, to the picks. And why don't we skip and just, uh, since we're talking about American Goldman, let's just talk about that game. Mylander on Friday night, primetime. Big game for both schools. It's been a long time since those schools have had a big game. I think it's going to be close. 
I'm glad coach isn't on the line anymore because I picked American, but I think it's going to be a close game. <laughs> uh, yeah, think, I mean, yeah, these are two teams like that. I think we, we talked, I think a little bit about American and as we were going through our uh, district by district previews, a lot of new pieces there. Um, they're also off to a, a strong start to the year. Um, I'm going to go with Goldman. I, I think that continuity uh, helps them there, right? Like, like we said, this is a team that was in the GMAC Independent League Championship the last couple of years um, and, you know, has, has kind of built, I think, with the, the same core group of guys. Um, American, maybe a little bit more talented, but but a lot of new pieces still. Um, really good test, I think, for, for both of these teams. Yeah. Kind of similar, you know, in the sense of all one of these, like, heavy transfer teams. You kind of have right. to see up how they gel. So, yeah. Um, Big test coming up for American after this against Norland and other teams down the road. But you never know, this could be one of those springboard games for Goldman. I mean, their district, we talked about it a few episodes ago. Columbus is the monster in there. Right. But beyond that, if this team really is as good as they look like they are, potentially winnable games against Doral, Miami High, maybe could sneak into a playoff spot. So we'll see. Um, and speaking of Norland, they go down to Southridge this week. They're coming off the big win over Lakeland and then absolutely destroyed an overmatched Carroll City team. Now they take on a pretty good team with Pierre Senatus at the helm that is trying to, you know, build up to that kind of caliber team. But I think this week, though, Norland is such a monster. I mean, we're talking about Norland being almost on the central level, potentially. Yeah. I'm going with the Vikings. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a, tough to go down <laughs> to Southridge and win. Um, yeah, but they just went up to Lakeland and won, which is tough to do, too. So, right. um, uh yeah, I, I got to go with Norland here, but I like this Southridge team a lot, and um, I'm sure we'll we'll be talking about them as the year goes on too. Yeah, now this one, and uh, both in state, but uh, see a game between two teams not from the same county, not even from the same area, but a good one. Two of the state powerhouses, Coco. I remember when Coco never left home. Now they travel. Yeah. What is this? Now they come down. They play. They're playing St. Thomas Aquinas this weekend, uh, which took care of Fort Myers, bouncing back from the loss to Bosco. This one, I think, is going to be a very good game, though. Coco has some quality wins so far, and I think can push the Raiders. But I think this is where St. Thomas gets, like, their first big signature win of the season. Yeah, I agree. This is, um, you know, uh, uh, Bosco is a, a really tough situation for them. A new new quarterback, a lot of new pieces um, all, all over that roster, especially on offense. Um, then they go to Fort Myers, which is, is not the Fort Myers of old winning – in kind of like blowout fashion there. This is like the test kind of like they, they St. Thomas Aquinas should win this game. Uh, what I want to see is them like look really good on offense while doing it. Yeah. Let's see what they can cook up there. Uh, Ryan Schneider and, and uh, the Coco Tigers. But yeah, I think too much with Aquinas there. If they, if they limit mistakes, they should be fine. And another team taking on another, this one is an out of state opponent. This is a stop number three on that five game gauntlet that early in the season. That's Bergen Catholic. We mentioned before, the latest test for Chaminade. This is a top 25 matchup again as Bergen Catholic comes in with some pretty good weapons on offense and uh, some talent on defense as well to test Chaminade. But, I mean, what I saw the other day looked like the, the complete package. I mean, I I know they had, like you mentioned, Kenyatta Jackson and other guys, but I really love what the defense is doing yeah. this year for the Lions. So Yeah, they're deep. No they, I mean, that's the difference. That's the thing with Chaminade now, right, is they've kind of hit that, like, St. Thomas, Central – um, you know, Norland maybe has it this year, that level of depth, right? Where it's just right. every all 11 guys you have on the field at any given time, it, those guys are college players, division one, division two, whatever it is. Um, yeah, that, not, I'm not picking against them. Yeah, no, no, likewise. And uh, staying in Broward, 
Here's a good one that's a, an all-Broward matchup here. Coconut Creek, coming off a tough loss. They were trying to knock off a nationally ranked team in Gainesville, Georgia, but came up just a little short. I think it was a one-point loss. Now takes on a, a very good Western team that we saw in week one. They rested last week, had a bye week. Can Western's offense get going, I guess is the question. Was it just the weather in week one? Or, you know, what, when does this team get rolling? Creek is going to be a tough test. We saw them shut down Monarch, and Monarch has a pretty potent offense themselves. I think Western gets it done, but I think it's a very close game. Yeah, I like Western here. Um, I think Creek is probably a little underrated, under the radar right now. Um, I think their defense is really good, as we, as you mentioned. They they shut down Monarch in, in a preseason game, but still, that's you know that's kind of a rivalry. Those guys are taking it seriously. Um, but Western, I, I think um, we're still, like you said, we're, we're waiting to see. Um, but I, I trust the talent they have there, and you know the infrastructure, right? Like this is a game Western wins, you know, for the last whatever five, six, seven years, like they've reached that point where um, they're the team kind of out in West Broward County that um, everyone's got them for. Yeah. And then that takes us to the big one. And I think this is one of three games that we're eagerly waiting for this year in class two M maybe a few more than three games, but mainly these three, I think Booker T central New Orleans, when those three play each other, that's a must see main event TV right there. And then here's the first one. The old rivalry, Booker T and Central. Now, Central has dominated this rivalry in recent years. They have not lost to Booker T since 2014. I looked it up. And they've been playing every year, except the COVID year. They've played every single mm-hmm. year. So I guess the big question is, has Booker T built up enough to, to challenge Central? I think they've at least built up enough to challenge Central, like I just said, but not beat Central. I think the Rockets bounce back from the Gorman loss. Um, but this will be good. This will be a good game. Yeah, I agree. I think challenge is the right word there um central you know like like i said at the top any questions you had about them i think they answered um a lot of them by the way they played out in vegas um now coming back home for their you know biggest south like like you said they 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 know that booker t and and norland think they can knock them off and in all likelihood uh central is probably going to play those teams maybe each twice maybe um, you know, de- probably def- almost definitely three times as the season goes on. Um, they, they, they're going to be ready for this game. Um, I think ice can give them a, can give them a run. I think they, it was a relatively close competitive game last year. Um, but, uh, I'm still going with central kind of until proven otherwise in, in that district. Yeah. And a little extra time to rest too, for the tornadoes, yeah. because they were supposed to play Edison last week, basically played one drive and the weather came and ruined that. So. We'll see. We'll see. I think, you know, Ice always has those games and always has those his teams in big game mode and prepared. So it should be interesting. But we'll see. We'll be back next week and let you guys know how it happened. We'll recap it with highlights, some some uh, some analysis. And uh, we'll look ahead at that point to week four. I mean, early in this season, there's no let up. Every week there's a big game. Seems to be national nationally ranked teams facing each other. So plenty to talk about, especially in the early part of the season. For David Wilson, I'm Andre Fernandez. We'll see you guys next week.